I'm black. But I'm not hyper-masculine. But I'm not aggressive. I'm not ghetto. I'm not violent. I've never been in a fight in my life. I'm black. I'm black. I'm black, but I'm not an exotic fetish. But I'm not on welfare. But I'm not pretty for a black girl. But I'm not from the hood. But I'm not a piece of chocolate. I'm a human. I'm black, but I'm not lazy. A thug. Uneducated. I have a few college degrees, actually. I'm black. But I'm not trying to act white when I speak properly. This is just how I talk. But that doesn't mean you have to use the N-word around me. But I'm not concerned with being your definition of black. I'm not interested in having you touch my hair. But I'm not good at twerking. I'm not gonna rob you. I'm not leeching off the system. But my blackness is not the same as someone else's. This podcast is brought to you by a 4i production. And now, let's start the show. <laughs> Over here getting my life. Oh my god, that sounds like <laughs> so much black joy. It Just was black joy in the room. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember, but that is the Ron Clark Academy, the middle school in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. They having the time of their lives. Do you hear me? Always do. So those are the kids. They found out that they are going to see Black Panther. Um, and I don't know if you remember, but Ron Clark is the one who founded the school mm-hmm, mm-hmm. back in 2007. He's the same guy that in 2016, they had that viral video, uh, or the video that went viral with him doing Juju on the Beat with all yes, the kids. Yes, yes. And even the teachers, everybody, they just look like they have such fun at school, which is what school should be. It should be fun. It should, you know, foster an environment of learning and creativity and just being vibrant and excited about learning in the future. So I just love seeing those videos and it has me really thinking about just quitting my job and going to teach. Just for a little bit though. Would you really do that? I, I would. See, I could see you teaching kids. I you it know what so much fun. You would be my favorite teacher. And you know what the thing is is that I don't particularly like want any kids tomorrow, but kids freaking love me i don't know if it's because i'm a short person they think i'm like their age but (laughs) kids just gravitate to me so i would love to do something like that so you know shout out to all those beautiful kids at the ron clark academy because black panther is so lit well welcome black yeah oh that was a good one let me get some snacks for that happy black history month we about to just be black as hell yeah um, we already black as hell. We're going to be really black now. 365, 366 on Olympia. Black History Month, Black Future Month. <laughs> we in there like 2018 swimwear. Okay. I love it. So welcome back. This is the Cultural Shock Podcast. I am a girl named Tiffany. And I'm Courtney B. Courtney B what? Courtney Beyonce. <laughs> oh Listen, y'all, I got some blonde hair or whatever, and I'm feeling myself. I'm feeling myself. Sure. Got me some wine. I've been tripping since we started, just before we started recording. So today, Courtney B. Yonce, all on his mouth, like liquor. Press the record <laughs> button because we were never going to get anywhere. Like, she's been this hype since she walked through the door. So I'm just like, okay, this is what it is today. So I apologize in advance on behalf of the Culture Shock Podcast as a collective. This what it is, shawty. This what it is. Take like it. they say in Atlanta. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. This this what it is, shawty. <laughs> so, thanks for joining us again, guys. Um, How was your weekend? My weekend was great. What'd you do? So, um, Saturday morning, I usually don't do too much on Friday nights unless it's low-key because that's my 
cleaning day. Mm -hmm. Um, So Friday, no, Saturday morning, excuse me, I actually went um, to a seminar um, with... um, Robert Kiyosaki's company, and if you don't know who Robert Kiyosaki is, he wrote the book, which is a phenomenon amongst um, business owners. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, And so I actually went to like a two-hour seminar to kind of um, touch into some info related to um, real estate investing, building financial wealth, um, even as uh, things as far as um, investing into stocks and bonds, and actually signed up to go back for an additional three-day in-depth course with one-on-one mentors and um, information. They gave me um, a tablet that is like preloaded with all of this information on it. So I'm just okay. excited to, you know, be kind of getting my feet wet into real estate investing. So that's what I did on Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I did some errands, ran around, and then I had some friends that were in town from the DMV area. And we went out to dinner and just, you know, just engulfed ourselves in some black girl magic for a while. And so it was awesome. What about you? So per usual, uh, because I'm a busybody, I was extremely busy. Got up on Saturday morning. I can't even tell you what I did on Friday. And no, not because I was drinking, just because my days weren't together like that, right? <laughs> you was hungover. And it's so okay. Was, you was hungover. If I was, I would have told you. I promise. But I went to Charlotte's Black Business Expo. Mm-hmm. And that was put on by Create Amazing LLC. So they're doing three this month, I think. And then they'll uh, do some more next year. But just going out and seeing the other black businesses in the area and kind of getting some cards, networking a little bit, talking about the podcast some, mm-hmm. that was really good for me. And then I hung out with my friend Kisa for a while before I came back home. Was that expo like from one to six? Was that the time? One to five. One to mm-hmm. five. I think I saw some um, marketing for that. And I was like, man, I wish I would have, you know, made plans to go. But I got so busy and had... A lot of things to do, but I'm glad that, you know, you went out there to represent for us. I started to call you, too. It was the 2018 Queen City Black Expo, Black Business Expo. And they had, they're going to have more than one, right? Absolutely. Okay, cool. So, cool. you know, you never know. Maybe we'll go out there and set up and kind of network yes. and talk to people about the show as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I've just been, you know, preparing for the show and trying yes. to get a little bit of rest. Yes, rest is good. Um, I plan on getting some rest. No, you don't. You know what? I was about to tell a whole <laughs> lie. A whole lie. Because I know I done agreed to be several places, but I still plan on getting me a little bit of rest okay. tonight. I'm hopefully. Hope hopefully I do because um, as I was talking to you um, before we started recording, I have a busy week mm-hmm. coming up, so I need to make sure that I get as much rest as possible before we get rolling. I don't want you to wear yourself out. No. I'm going to hold you accountable. No, and I need my, I need my beauty rest because my future boo might be lurking around next week. So I mean, I know I might see him. And then I'm looking all ragged and, you know, uh, baggy dehydrated. under the ass and dehydrated ashy. And, and ashy face. He's going to be like, girl, no, because you ain't even together. So I got to make sure I get my beauty rest. Okay. Um, so let's move into our good, bad, and indifferent. What's going on in the world this week that interests you? Okay, so one of the things that interests me, like, we had this conversation um, maybe two weeks ago. I had this conversation with someone, and we were talking about, did we think that there would ever, I swear, people going to think that I'm telling lies, but I'm just like, I don't know what I am, but I be knowing stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we had this conversation about, could we, you know, see the Martin reboot when, you know, that stuff started um, flying around a little bit more heavily, and it was just, like, being hinted at. And then, you know, um, 
this week, the photos surfaced of Tashina Arnold, Tisha Campbell, and, and Martin Lawrence all together. And so crazy, right? That would be crazy. And so I just was I was surprised at how divided everybody was on it because some people were like, Yes, I'm here for it. But a lot of people were like, No. So what do you think about that? I could do without it, honestly. I love Martin and I love the reruns and if they do it. Everybody's doing the reboots right now and enjoying it. So I don't want to begrudge anyone the opportunity to make some more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, for nostalgic purposes, just for me, I'd rather see them keep it. Now, if Martin and Gina have, you know, made amends and they want to do a show, I'd almost rather see them in a different show. But if they're going to do a Martin reboot and they have kids and stuff like that, or maybe um, Pam, you know, is married to somebody. I just don't really know how it will work, but I don't want to snuff it out before it gets started with negativity. You know what I mean? Yeah, and two things. I That's what I had originally thought, too. I was like, how would they be able to pull this off without Tommy? But then my, you know, creative mind started going, and I was like, well, they can say that Tommy is on an extended business trip. Because, you know, Tommy ain't got no job, so they could just be like, Tommy is away on business. You know, so that could possibly remedy that hurdle. And Martin, if you listening and you do that, I want my coins. But then I started thinking, not even as much as Tommy is concerned. How is Martin gonna be Shanae at his age? Like that's not gonna work. Or you know, Mama Payne. Mama Payne will be like ninety five years old. So then I was like, ah, ninety five. Not ninety five. Mama Payne had a full head of gray hair and a mustache. Mama Payne was old then, and she's definitely old now. So I was just like, how is that gonna work? And speaking of Martin and Gina, I don't know how true this is, but allegedly. From what I was reading and just listening to, apparently, and I always thought this was the other way around. I thought that Martin and um, Pam had had like a kind of like a fling thing. But people were saying that it was Gina and Martin or or Tisha and Martin that had the fling and that it went sour, which would make sense considering she was like alleging sexual harassment allegations. But also they said that... um, Tisha Campbell had a crazy momager that caused problems. Really? Yes, that caused problems um, during production. And Spike Lee has even been quoted as saying during school days, he almost wanted to just be done with Tisha Campbell because of her momager. She was really young in school days, though, mm-hmm. so I, I get that. But not by the time she got to Martin. But she still, her mom was still her um, momager, which would make sense why they added Miss Waters. Remember how Miss Waters used to come on the yeah. show and kind of be like, overbearing and you know her parents were like this driving for we're both of them because mama Payne was the same way but right. really gina's mom so that just kind of maybe that was like our imitating life a little bit but i'm not gonna t- like you said i'm not gonna just kill it with negativity because i think that seeing them together maybe with children things have progressed maybe pam has blown up with her a right. and stuff that she was doing towards the end when they had to film separately and Martin was on there looking all kinds of hot and crazy. <laughs> I mean, you know, and then, you know, Cole maybe still with Big Shirley. Like, you know, I think it would be fun to see. I just really don't know how it's going to be received and if they can pull it off. Right. But that was one of the things that caught my eye this week. What about you? Several things. So, so many things. So um, Aisha Curry is Yay. baby. I think their family is so adorable. I love them. Steph be doing that. He, all he do is shoot threes. Okay. Okay. He be shooting up the club. And wait, wait. Uh, okay, <laughs> shooting up the club and shooting up the threes as, as one of the Splash Brothers, which I am a Chicago Bulls fan, mm-hmm. but 
I pull for the Warriors. Like I love that team. So and I love Steph and, right. and Aisha. So we're we're excited for them expanding. They look happy, and maybe they'll have a boy this time if that's what they want. Also, uh, something negative that happened this Uh-oh. week. The Bronx teacher. I don't know if you heard about Patricia coming. Try okay. it. She did try it. So she's a teacher at middle school 118 in the Bronx, and she was giving a slavery lesson. What? Like I don't understand what I don't what are understand you, about this. What thing. is a slavery lesson? I mean, I know what it right. is, but unless you are coming from some type of history book or doing your damn Googles, who told you to start doing demonstrations, ma'am? Every year this happens. It might not be this, but I always look at the scenario and go, so they weren't watching the news last year when a teacher got in trouble for doing something ridiculous in the classroom regarding slavery. So anyway, Patricia, she picked three black students in her middle school class. And, uh, you know, it said that she did this in more than one class because, you know, the children, they switch classes. Mm-hmm. So she has like different periods. Right. And so she done this multiple times. Right. But she had three black students get out of their seats and lay on the floor to see what it was like to be a slave. <laughs> and so I hear that one of the female students, or I read that one of the female students made a joke and said, I feel fine. So she puts her foot, it was already bad enough, but she steps on the back of the Mm -mm. child and says, well, how does it feel now? In a school where 81% um, are black or Hispanic and there are only 3% white kids um, in there. So I'm just like, what was she thinking? I think she went home or got sent home. Mm -hmm, They sent her home. But she was back in school on Thursday and then she got reassigned away from children. I don't know what that means, but I know that means she's still working. Just like I said when this information was sent to me, Mm -hmm. a simple picture would suffice. You could have showed them a picture of, you know, a slave ship, how the bodies were piled up on top of each other, how close they were, and then, you know, kind of like let them, you know, talk about how they felt. Like, do you think that this would be comfortable? Is this any way to treat somebody? Like, it's ways to get your point across without, number one, placing somebody on the ground. And then, number two, putting your dirty ass feet on somebody's child. Put your foot on my child or any child I know or any child, period. Period, because do you want me to put my foot on you? Because that's what's going to happen when I come up to this school after my child told me that you put your dirty ass feet on them. Right. It's just ridiculous. I just feel like stick to the guidelines in in your your um your lesson plans or whatever curriculum that the state has given you stick to your plan. I mean, it's okay to get creative in the way you may present the information, but to tell somebody's child to get on the floor. And then when they say they're okay to put your foot on them Mm -hmm. in black history month, ma'am, you fired, you lost, you done. But she's not, she's not because that's not how it works. But um, that was one thing that caught my eye. And I did see somebody say something like, well, with the way they're trying to take slavery as it is out of the textbooks, maybe she was just trying to give them a more realistic lesson than they're being taught. Not by not by putting your foot on somebody. Exactly. So there's that. Dennis Edwards. Um, don't look any further, Dennis Edwards, <laughs> who also was a member of the Temptations, not um, the original, but he uh, did pass away yes, I this saw that. last week, a day before uh, his birthday. I think he would have been 75, mm-hmm. and he passed away at 74. Um, so rest in peace to Dennis Edwards. Heart goes out to your family. Um, but he, he left us with a lot of good work. Yes, he did. Um, what 
else? So kind of just piggybacking off of the Martin reboot, another thing that gave me joy um, was seeing that there is uh, Bad Boys 3 being filmed. And I'm so excited because I think I've loved each bad boys right um and so that just made me happy and furthermore let's just let's just really get down to it whoever decided to give will smith an instagram i think his kids must have him. <laughs> i he mean is so good. he is the best thing you know what him and ellen they're like two of the best things that have ever happened to instagram True. um and so i just have found myself like going back to his instagram and looking at everything that he's posting he's funny he's inspirational and um one of the things that really you know just melted my heart is when he posted a 20th anniversary post to his wife jada and i'm just gonna read um some of what he said um, on his post he said love is like gardening i have learned to focus on helping you to blossom into what you want to be into what you were born to be rather than demanding that you become what my fragile ego needs you to be I've learned to take pleasure in nourishing your dreams rather than wrestling with you to fulfill my selfish needs and satiate my insecurities. I have learned that love is listening, love is giving, and love is freedom. And when I tell you, I almost threw my phone up against the wall because, I mean, that is that is really an expression of love that we don't see, especially, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but you don't see it often from men to their wives in that way. It took a lot for them to get there, though. It did, but I mean, it gives me hope that somebody there. That's true. <laughs> somebody is there, although they don't. They got rich people problems, right. but it was just, <laughs> you know, it was just um, moving to see that. Also, he posted a picture of um, an artist um, on Instagram, and their name on Instagram is the Sketch Club. At the Sketch Club, they posted um, a drawing um, that they had did, basically like an animation of the Fresh Prince, mm-hmm. and Will reposted it, and was basically like. I have never, you know, thought about um, the Fresh Prince as a cartoon, but this is pretty dope. And I'm like, that would be a great way. I think that would, that's an even better um, way to go about a reboot is to have it animated. More than a Martin reboot, I would definitely be here for a Fresh Prince cartoon. Yes, that would be a great thing. And then children would be able to see that cartoon and it would be just like a new generation of the Fresh Prince. You know what? As as a part of Legacy, what if they allowed the um, Smith children to do the voiceover oh, work for those cartoons? That would be really that nice. That would be really, really nice. Um, but I'm but you know, the first Aunt V is gonna come out and start busting shots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's cross you that bridge know. when we get but, to it. But you know she is because mm-hmm. she she ain't got time for Will at all. Like she has no Time for Will Smith, okay? I know. We'll, we'll cross that bridge <laughs> when we get to it, but she does always come out. Um, what else? Oh, I know what happened. I think shortly after we recorded, the Black Panther movie premiere happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. When I say, when I saw the red carpet, yes. I couldn't help it. It was I've lit. been telling everybody, I'm not even ashamed. I cried. That Aww. is the best looking red carpet I've ever seen in my whole entire life. Lupita Nyong'o, yes, gorgeous. Janelle Monae, Janelle Monae's dress. Oh her, her my crown. goodness! Like, I want all of that. I'll just buy the whole outfit. Like, I mean, I'm not as petite as I'm not that short, you know. But if I could wear it, <laughs> I would. And then Issa Rae's dress was amazing. Yes, the guys were so handsome, and they just looked so regal, and they looked like kings. Like they, really they looked did. like. 
black kings. I'm really trying to figure out, like, how can I get my outfit together by the time Girl. I go see this movie? Because I can't, I can't go <sighs> mediocre. I just can't do it. I've been online looking up berets. <laughs> I'm just like, exactly. how can I make a... St- because you know it's going to be like... It's going to be like Halloween. Like, everybody is going to be just lit and dressed up. People going to have their afros on, their shades, their leather. If you're listening (laughs) to this right now and you go see Black Panther, please, 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 for me, take a picture of you and your crew or whatever and tag us at the Culture Shock Podcast. Like, we want to see your photos. We will repost them. Yes, we will. Because I'm going to get my life. Me too. Speaking of Black Panther, what about this um, group that was going around trying to basically sabotage, you know, the ratings on Rotten Tomatoes? Facebook got involved. Rotten Tomatoes um, site got involved and basically shut them down. And, And I guess... In essence, what they were going to do is just, after the movie premiere, just go on there and just rate it negatively. Um, So it would look like the movie wasn't wasn't good. good. But which is just stupid because everybody is going to go to the theaters and know that the movie is good. So you, I mean, who even goes off Rotten Tomatoes? Like No, but still, uh, from from a historical standpoint, later on, you'll still be able to look at the statistics and see that it was rated poorly. And and we don't want that either. No. And uh, apparently, the person who started this Facebook group. I don't know what the name of the Facebook group was, and it's been shut down, thank mm-hmm. God. But apparently he is like a self-professed um, member of the alt-right, and this site oh. had got like 4,000 members that had all like agreed to basically go onto Rotten Tomatoes and try to, you know, destroy the credibility or give this movie um, a poor rating because it is... Black Panther. Just right. the same way they try to talk negatively about Luke Cage and say they're going to boycott Netflix. Just pure and utter foolishness that's not going to work because Black Panther is so lit. And everybody, I mean, people are buying out theaters left and right. I saw Octavia Spencer bought out some yes, theaters. For kids to see it. People are having GoFundMes to raise money to send people to see it. So, you know, when we band together on something, ain't nothing going to stop us. No. And it's Black History Month. Like, you ain't stopping nothing, boo. But I do want to say that we should definitely talk about the director of Black Panther. Oh, my God. Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler. Who is only 31 years old. And he has directed um, critically acclaimed films such as Fruitvale Station, which I can't bring myself me to watch. Either. Don't judge me. <laughs> as well as Creed and now Black Panther at the age of 31. So that is wow. like some black history in the in the making. Well, it, it's I mean, for me, Ryan Coogler now is synonymous almost with like an Ava Ava DuVernay. Yes, kind of like y'all are so black and so excellent. Just, thank you, just thank you for your work and giving us that representation that without people like you all, we wouldn't have it. We would still be slaves and maids. And, you know, coming in the back door, drinking out of a special fountain, saying yes, sir, and no, ma'am, to everybody that don't even deserve it. So that's what we will be seeing. So thank you for your gifts and your talent. And once again, making sure that Black Panther is so lit. (laughs) You know, cinematography is one of my favorite things. Uh, I love film. Me too. I can't wait. I really can't wait. So, the elephant in the room, we are filming on Super Bowl Sunday. So, who you got? Who you got? Nobody, because I'm not doing the NFL this year. You you better stand with Cap. I do stand with Cap. You better stand with Cap. I'm going to let you have it. Well, I'm not really too big on watching it, um, but I will say that I do not want the Patriots to win, although I have... um, 
I have a really deep um, fondness for the um, Bennett brothers, Michael and Martellus. I love them. I follow them on social media. I follow um, Martellus's wife. And I just, I I want them to win because I feel like they stand up for what's right. They stand up for um, our people. And so, you know, Martellus is on the Patriots and I don't want them to win, but... I do enjoy seeing Martellus get his rings. Right. Um, another thing about Super Bowl Sunday, if you know me personally, and for those of you who don't, I am a Marie Janet Jackson, Jackson stand. Like I love Demita Joe. She has she was one of my first idols. Everybody that knows me from a child knows that my ambition in life was to be a Janet Jackson backup dancer. Okay. Don't judge me. And given the fact that she has basically been blackballed from performing at the Super Bowl even though Justin Timberlake has been given a pass and he's back to perform, which I love Justin, but I mean, call a thing a thing. Um, Social media has taken it upon themselves to make this day Janet Appreciation Day. And I feel like that just shows how um, how much impact Janet had on pop culture, on the music industry, and especially the black women that came after her. Not to say that there weren't people who, you know, came before her that opened the door like the Tina Turners and the Josephine Bakers, but I feel like for me and my age group, Janet was just a shit. And she, I mean, she just danced and she was pretty. She was, is. She is just everything, you know. So um, shout out to Janet, and I just hope that everyone is safe. For Super Bowl, don't drink and drive. And, you know, kind of watch the calories. I know y'all going to be eating, but you got the rest of the year. So (laughs) don't go crazy, okay? But, yeah, I think that's it. Do you have anything else on your good, bad, and indifferent? I do. um, Two two good things. Okay. You decide. You get to decide. This is the section where you guys decide whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. But for me, the San Francisco marijuana convictions that are being overturned. And it needs to be like that. I believe yeah. In Colorado and everywhere. Everywhere. So prosecutors in San Francisco and San Diego are moving to erase thousands of marijuana convictions. And um, it could change the lives of a lot of individuals, especially minorities, mm-hmm. uh, who are more likely to go to jail than whites. So I'm just interested to see, for the, for the exact same crime, so I'm just interested to see how this pans out, how many individuals benefit from it, and um, where we move from there, like which states it moves to next. It was interesting, um, and I know this is so crazy, but y'all, y'all know I'm clatchet, a little bit classy and ratchet. ratchet. Okay. But (laughs) one of my favorite daytime shows is um, The View. And so this past week they had Senator Rand Paul on the view discussing the inc- um, the incident where he was shot, yeah. talking about how the Republican baseball game, you remember he had gotten shot up by, you know, a person that, you know, opposed what the Republican Party was doing and I by no means support um, violence or anything like that. And he talked about that. And he also spoke about the disparity in the convictions for marijuana. And he said, you know, studies have shown that black people or not, or people of color, black or brown or what have you, smoke just as much weed as white people, but black and brown people are incarcerated at a much higher rate. And he basically said, and we all know that this is due to systematic racism. So just for, for him to acknowledge that and to say it on, um, 
national daytime television right. really, you know, made a difference in my opinion of Senator Rand Paul. So that is good that they are moving towards um, kind of disrupting that disparity between um, the convictions and stuff for black and brown people when it comes to marijuana, especially since now marijuana is a legalized, profitable, you know, taxable business in a lot of those states and cities. So, right. you know, one more thing I wanted to talk about, good, bad, and indifferent, okay. um, was Amanda Seals on The Breakfast Club. Okay, I missed it. I oh, missed it. my goodness. Um, she was really, really good. Not that she isn't always, mm-hmm. but she's just so well-versed and knowledgeable, but still relatable and just, you know, cool. And it was just good to see her um, have some dialogue about basically being woke before it was a thing and being um opinionated black woman and one thing that she said was it's a struggle for her um not a struggle but you know she battles with this because people on social media want to refer to her as masculine because she's verbal in the way that she feels and stands up for what is right. And like, what are your thoughts on that as, as far as when you're a black woman who's opinionated and, you know, you have a strong sense of self and a viewpoint that is unwavering to bullshit and people want to say, oh, you're masculine or you talk too much or you need to be a little bit more submissive or ladylike. What are your thoughts on that? Because I that was one of the big takeaways that I took from that interview. Gosh, that's, I mean, it's such a complex question. I feel like we don't have enough time for me to delve into exactly how I feel about it. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like we've gotten to a point where we understand where that comes from. We understand that it's the, you know, be grateful, be quiet. Um, And sometimes it's projection. Because, Mm -hmm. like, especially if it's coming from people of my own community, then I'm like, okay, well, you just want me to be quiet because you think you should be quiet. You think, you know, whatever. It's. It, that, too, is systemic. Yes, it and is. And for me, I just look at it and go, I try to check it whenever I can. But at the end of the day, once you realize exactly what it is, you just move forward accordingly. Like, you don't have to address that. Mm-hmm. If you think I'm masculine, if you think that I talk too much, if you think that I'm sassy, this sounds like a personal problem. Because at the end of the day, I'm still, I still came here for a reason. I came to give the information. I came to educate. Mm-hmm. I came to be who I am. I'm not going to be checked. Right. Um, Who going to check me, boo? Not no, you. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, we're just going to move forward from there. And what I've learned is as long as you don't waver, people learn to respect you and what you are. And, and they will come later and say, hey, man, I thought you were this. Or I thought you were snotty or I thought you were a bitch or whatever. But as they get to know you later on, they learn to value exactly who you are as long as you don't back down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just a good interview. And one last thing that she said that really stuck out to me was that, and and I can only speak about this for black men because that's typically what I date, but mm-hmm. basically she said, you know, black men love vagina, but they don't love black women. They right. love black vagina, but they don't love black women. Right. They love what we can do for them or they love the idea of us, but sometimes it feels like, do you really love us? Right. Because you want to silence us sometimes at every turn, you know, when it doesn't fit into your mold or it challenges your male ego, mm-hmm. then we become masculine and we need to be quiet. So do you really love us? That's a whole nother thing. For me, it's more like, well, do you love yourself? Because I know a lot mm-hmm. of men don't want to be checked. They don't want the, the woman in their lives that they know love them, right? Mm-hmm. They don't want to 
listen to them if they say hey you know i don't think you should do this or i don't think you should do that and sometimes i believe it's because historically speaking they are almost at the bottom of the totem pole right we are below them Mm -hmm. or have been below them i mean it's not accurate as a as a person i am not below anyone but i'm just saying the way that i'm viewed in society yes so it's kind of like at least i'm above her and i can't have her telling me what to do yeah Um, or just let me lead let the man lead but you got to be leading somewhere yeah you you can't leave me off a damn cliff Mm -hmm. right so So. but it was just a good (laughs) interview if you guys you know have a moment go to youtube and um youtube amanda seals on the breakfast club she also addressed charlemagne about the colorism stuff which she was kind of saying oh i know him so i know he didn't mean it that way but just um Take a look. He He's exactly. He said what he said. So that was the only part that kind of like, eh, I don't know about that. Yeah. But overall, it was a good interview. So okay. Uh, All I right. have one last thing. Too. Okay. What you got, girl? What this you got? This past week, I went to the Harvey Began Center here in Charlotte, mm-hmm. and I had an opportunity to do a preview for the documentary Orangeburg Fifty Years Later from okay. the South Carolina State University uh, massacre mm-hmm. when the students there were shot at by the police. You know, they sent. Kind of, it's almost like a scene from today where they sent um, the police down there asking them to not allow the students to leave because of an incident that had happened at a bowling alley where the kids weren't allowed. But, you know, we've already been through, especially here in North Carolina, the sit-ins. Um, so mm-hmm. the students should have been allowed to eat there. The bowling alley had a small bar where you can order food and stuff like that. And so... The students who were Caucasian that went to the university were able to go there, but the black students were. So, of course, there was an incident maybe the night before, and then they sent police to the school the second day so they wouldn't leave the school and go back down there, and it just turned into a massacre. Um, and so they're going to – it's 50 years this Thursday Oh wow! that that happened. Um, and the school photographer at the time was also a student at a neighboring college and so you know he had several jobs he said he was burning the candle at both ends um but his name is cecil williams and i did get one of his books um it's really 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 good work but uh they just showed that documentary and they had a lot of the students there oh good that were actually a part of it when it was going on so you would see some people on the film and then you would look around in the audience and they were actually there. So they're going to be viewing that again um, this Thursday in South Carolina. And then, of course, I know it's going to be on television as well. But I just really enjoyed it. I know Cecil, we had like a talk after they had a, a question and answer portion. And Cecil was just talking about how if he had made it back onto campus that night, he probably would not be living today. Oh, my goodness. Um And the next morning when he got to the school, like, the police didn't even try to, you know, secure the area, Mm -hmm. do any investigation. So he was just walking through the yard on campus that day, picking up um, shells from where the students had been shot. Oh, my God. And those shells helped to identify the officers that were firing on the students. So I don't want to give anything away for anybody who's going to check it out, but it's a really good documentary, Orangeburg 50 Years Later. Good. Awesome. Woo! Now, now, on to the content. On to the content. So, this week is going to be kind of fun. We wanted to do something a little different. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to do Happy Black History Month again. We're going to do <laughs> um, Obscure Black History. I know, you know, 
we know about George Washington Carver and Peanut Butter. Rosa Parks. Exactly. Lonnie Johnson, the NASA engineer that invented the um, Super Soaker. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows things like that. So we just wanted to kind of give you guys a little rundown, something else to be proud of, of individuals in black history who have made extreme contributions to what we have going on today. Yay. Clap, 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 clap. So... Um, and, and guys, this is kind of like a touchback to last week's episode because I totally forgot to mention this, but I thought it was notable and interesting. Um, so basically last week we talked about colorism, right? So Alice Walker, the, um, just astounding author who is responsible for the color purple, she actually coined the term colorism back in 1983, um, from a book titled In Search of Our Mother's Gardens. Yeah. So just to know that, you know, before that, we knew what it was, but there was really nothing there to... No definition. Yeah. No name. Nothing. And she just basically, you know, came up with this and coined it, and it is now in the dictionary. So Alice Walker gave us the term colorism, and now we can use that to describe what's going on within those situations. So that was one of my obscure black history facts. What you got? What you got? I love it. Um something you guys actually may know but i just like to throw it in there every time it might not be the most positive thing but MLK, <laughs> i know people like to say you know when mlk died um and when i said the last time i said well a lot of people know this people in the room were like no people don't some know. people don't know, know and i know where you're going with this but people didn't know and i didn't know until i was an adult so mlk was actually murdered by the government and the government actually said, yes, we are responsible for Martin mm-hmm. Luther King Jr.'s death. So I just wanted to put that out there. Another obscure fact is um, Jack Daniels. You like whiskey? I do like whiskey. Okay. I like are... the Tennessee honey kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go ahead. You know. It sounds like a true one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but Jack Daniels, uh, Jasper Newton Daniel from Lynchburg, Tennessee, in the 1850s when he was, you know, just a young guy. He went to work for a grocer named mm-hmm. Dan Call. Dan was a grocer. He was a distiller and a pastor Okay. of a church, but he was also a slave owner. So Dan owned a slave by the name of Nathan Green. Um, you might have heard his name before. They call him Nearest Green or Na- Nathan um, Nearest Green. Mm-hmm. And Is that where Natty Greens comes from? Uh-uh, I don't think so. Oh, well, no, I'm just... I don't know. Don't give me the <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't heard that before. But they, I could I could be wrong. But, okay, moving on. Sorry. <laughs> Courtney, sometimes you be wrong, but that's okay. I'm, Courtney be wrong. Okay. Today she Beyonce, though. Beyonce Courtney Beyonce. With my blowing her. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. But um, Nathan couldn't have been more than 19 years old at that time. Still, he was already a master distiller. And it turns out that he is actually the one who taught Jack Daniels how to make Jack Daniels. Mm-hmm. And he was never given credit for it. So of course uh, people not. always say, you know, it was Dan Call, the grocer and the pastor, who actually taught him how to do it. But it wasn't. It was the slave that he owned. Mm-hmm. And it just came out like a year or two ago that that was the case. And I think that, you know, maybe Jack Daniels was kind of trying to jump ahead of that whole, you know, this black um, renaissance that we have going on Mm -hmm. so as it pertains to like social justice they wanted to kind of get ahead of that i mean i'm not mad at them at least we know yeah yeah and they didn't you know try to like 
keep it under wraps anymore because eventually it was going to get out. And we're going to yeah. like, hey, you know. Who's actually, the black guy in that photo? Exactly. Because you know, honey, we will investigate. The yeah. social media investigators will be on the case. And he said it was never, they say it was never a secret. It's just not something that they talked about until recently. So, Yeah. wonder okay. why you didn't talk about it. Exactly. Anyway. Um, so, one of the ones that I have, which is probably um, known, which but I didn't know this until a few years ago. So, on um, one of my topics, I have Gerald Jerry Lawson, who was actually a black engineer who is responsible for inventing the first cartridge-based video game in um, 1976. And when I say 1976, it's just crazy to think that... Yesterday. I know, right? But you know, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have had like Nintendo. the Nintendos Duck and Duck Hunt, uh, Mario, like right. none of those, you know, types of cartridge based video games if it wasn't for Gerald Jerry Lawson. So, you know, that's just a, um, a little known black history fact that we all should be proud of. And especially if you're a gamer or if you grew up on Nintendo or Sega or what have you, we all, black, white, green, red, or brown, have. Mm-hmm. Gerald Jerry Lawson to thank for that. So I, I thought that was cool. That. I mm-hmm. love that. You know what else I love? What? Barack Obama. <laughs> Is he on your list? Girl, he's always going to be on my list, okay? And not, Barack Obama. Not because he was the first African-American president and not because he was the first African-American uh, president for the Harvard Law Review. But, but why for? Why for? He has two Grammys. Did you know that? No! Did you really not know I that? really did so not. Okay. So Barack Obama has two Grammys for Dreams of My Father and The Audacity of Hope because they turned them um, into basically spoken word. Oh, my gosh. Books, spoken word books, um, albums. I'm sorry. Uh, so because of that, he won two Grammys. You know what? They should have um, nominated. Remember when he um, was running the first time? Yeah. And the Black Eyed Peas done that. It was like a social media Craze like that video where it was like his speech and they took it and turned yeah, it into yeah. a song. Oh my gosh, that would have been nice. That would have been dope. I used to love that little video, and you know, since he was technically the first social media president, right? It would have been dope for him to win or for them to win a Grammy for that at that time. But I guess that was just a little too far advanced. Yeah, okay. we're not there yet. We're not there yet. So speaking of Grammys and songwriters, you know. <laughs> I bet y'all do not know. Now, this right here tripped me out because I would have never known this. But the first, the first African-American woman to win the ASCAP Songwriter Award for pop music was who? Miss Bootylicious herself. Beyonce! Did y'all know that? I was like, oh my God, my boo is out here making uh, history, okay? She was the first African-American woman to win that. In 2002 for Independent Woman Part 1, okay. Jumpin' Jumpin', right. and Survivor. So, big ups to Beyonce for winning really that. Young. Yes, really young and the first black woman to win that Songwriters Award. So She's a beast, man. She is. I love, I love Beyonce. Yeah. I don't want to be Beyonce necessarily, but she's an inspiration. She is. Seriously. And, I mean, it's. I feel like it's going to be one of those situations that, you know, how kids are now with Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like once she's older and doing her Vegas reviews, they're going to be like little girls running around singing single ladies, like trying to be like Beyonce. Like she's that big of an icon. So I thought that was not necessarily, I mean, it is black history, but it's kind of like black history in the making because Beyonce is still doing her thing. So I thought that was interesting. True. You know, I'm a reader. 
And I love yes, you a are. good book. And one of my favorite books of all time, or my favorite novels of all time, is The Count of Monte Cristo. Mm-hmm. The author is Alexander Dumas, who also wrote The Three Musketeers, which is what people are probably yes. more familiar with. And he is black. And I just like to tell people that at least four times a day. Okay? <laughs> he is black. Exactly. He black, y'all. He black, y'all. He blackity black. And he black, y'all. Are you still going? No, I, well, I was. Go ahead, boo. If this is your world. I'm just living in it. Go okay. ahead, boo. So I also wanted to talk about, this is a back and forth I've gotten into with a friend of mine before about um, Betty Boo. Oh, yes. A lot of black people who love Betty Boop or who grew up watching the cartoon. And the lady, okay, so the lady who, the guy, uh, what's his name? Max Fleischer. I think he did the cartoon Betty Boop after Helen Kane. But Helen Kane is not the real Betty Boop. No, she's not. This is appropriation at its finest, okay, because. Esther Jones, also known as Baby Esther, she went by that stage name who used to perform at Cotton Club, the Cotton Club in Harlem in the 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, Helen saw her and she was She Kim Kardashian her. She did. Basically, <laughs> she was somebody who interpolated her songs with like scat lyrics, right? That whole boop, boop, beat up, that mm-hmm. thing. Okay. Remember Scat Man? I do. Or Scat Girl? Scat Girl. Oh my scat gosh. Girl. Anyway, go ahead. So, she took it upon herself to kind of change that around a little bit. And then, it's funny because later on, she tried to sue Max Fleischer for um, using her likeness. And she lost because Max went back and said, I mean, you can't sue me because you stole it from Baby Esther. Exactly. Um, So, and she would never admit that that's what happened. But, of course, we all know if we look at the photos of Esther Jones and... You know, look at the documentation of her former teachers and the fact that she did do that whole scat singing and just everything. So, um, for those of you who love Betty Boop, it is not Helen Kane. It is a black lady by the name of Esther Jones. That was a good one because I, I see that all the time. And I, and I know so many, this is a whole nother topic and I hope one day we address this. Mm-hmm. And I think we should, you know, coming up. But it's just crazy to me how black women idolize these white yes, fictional characters yes, like exactly Betty Boop. And of. she's not a fictional character, but like Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, what are, what are y'all doing? Wow. We like, got what so are, many. Yeah, we got so many. Like, what are y'all doing? But, yeah. you know, I always, I've, I've never been that type of person. Like, I idolize people who look like me because right. I can't strive to... I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to ever be that. No. So, you know, I I look to people that look like me to draw inspiration. Not to say I don't draw inspiration from other people, but just to go so hard for. It's just like, y'all, like, what are y'all doing? Right. Um, Okay. So, um, the next obscure um, black history fact I have, since I am in the healthcare field, I felt it was only right that I talked about Henrietta Lacks, which was (laughs) a black woman from, she was born in Roanoke, Virginia, and she unfortunately was diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, So back in 1951, she was a patient at John Hopkins, and basically what they did was they took 
her cancer cells without her knowledge, mm -hmm. never got a consent. And what they found was is that with Miss Lax's cells, they um, basically once split could just replicate and replicate and replicate. It was hard to kill her cells, and they just noticed that these cells lasted much, much longer. So what they did was is they took these cells um, and started using them in research. Now, her family didn't know anything about this. She didn't know anything about this. Even up until when she died and her body was in the morgue at John Hopkins, they went back in and took more of her cells without the family's knowledge. With no consent? No consent. It was a, um, a scientist by the name of George Otto Gay. So um, basically they started calling these cells the HeLa cells, which is H-E-L-A, Henrietta, Henrietta Lacks, and um, deemed these cells as immortal. They have used these cells to develop the polio vaccine. Yeah. They've used them in research for cancer, for HIV AIDS, and her cells were actually the first cells to be... Um, successfully genetically cloned in 1955. Wow. They used her cells to test cosmetic products, all kinds of stuff. And this family knew nothing about it until years and years after she had passed, researchers started soliciting her family for more cells. These cells have been sold oh, internationally. You know, like so they never would have even never would have known, known if they didn't need them some if, more. Yep. And, and basically, you know how much money they owe this family? Like, these cells were used to create the it eradicated polio, a black poor woman's cells that you took without her knowledge and have basically used them to advance, you know, medicine. They, people will take from you, I'm trying to tell you. So, never let anybody tell you that we are not worthy. I mean, we have, like, the mother of all genetics, right. which you can see given what her cells were capable to do and what they're still doing, they're still using the HeLa cells to this day for research. And there's actually a book and it's called The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks that's available. Yep. Google it, Amazon it, and read it for yourself to just, you know, to just see how like crazy this situation was and is. And it just goes back to like we touched on before, the Tuskegee Airmen experiment and how, you know, patient rights and patient privacy and patient advocacy is very, very important. Right. So keeping in the theme with um, the medical field, Otis Boykins is the maker of the pacemaker, the creator yes. of the pacemaker and um, Mary and Mildred Davidson. So I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they are two sisters who created the sanitary belt, the walker and the tissue holder. And I just thought it was so neat because Mary suffered from scoliosis, which is how they came up with the walker. Mm. They, they had a knack. People say they had a knack for finding ways to make other people's lives easier. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways they made her life easier was creating something where, you know, it could take some of the pressure off her back. Exactly. Black people are so smart. We're so lit. I, I mean, just looking at some of this stuff made me so excited. Like um, when we were talking earlier about Frederick McKinley Jones, Mm -hmm. How he created the portable cooler. Yes. And it's kind of like, now you can take food across country because this man created a cooling unit. Mm -hmm. And so you can truck meat or, you know, produce from here to California and back. And it'll still be good because of a creation that a black man made. Like, that's so nuts. And it's just... Well, it's I, really not nuts. I, I don't know why I feel that it's, way. It's nuts because... 
we're not taught right. that these are the contributions that we have made. Mm-hmm. They want us to they they want us to start with slavery and then we end with you know welfare welfare queens, deadbeat dads, drug dealers, you know thugs. That that's that's what we are in the mainstream society. They don't they don't want us to know these things because you know knowledge is power and with knowledge and education of self that's how you change the world and that's how you change the situation and propel a society. And so they don't want us to know these things. Exactly. They want us to think that all we're good for is singing and dancing and telling jokes and jigabooing and cooning and, and yeah and and you know big butts and big boobs and you know like that's that's what they want us to see, but we have and are and will continue to contribute to this world and this society, whether they like it or not. Right. Okay? Okay. Um, can we talk about Sarah Rector? I'm sorry. I just, yes, oh we can talk God, about I'm Sarah Rector because we both were like, what the hell? Like, what kind of ish is this? So, yes, we can both, um, we can go into Sarah Rector. I'm going to let, I'm going to let you go because <laughs> I just went in on Henrietta Lacks and her healer sales. So, I'm going to let you go in on baby Sarah and tell everybody why they need to know about Sarah Rector. Baby Sarah is an accurate <laughs> an accurate way to describe Baby her, Sarah. Um, because she was the richest black girl in the world. She was born and raised on a Creek Indian plantation. On a plantation, y'all. Okay, so Sarah Rector, she came into millions after like her leased Oklahoma land. So I think what happened was, and I'm not sure if you have this, mm-hmm. um, but that was kind of like a part of their, I'm doing quotation marks in the air, reparations. Yeah, after the civil... Exactly. After the Civil War, it was like a, a treaty right. that was signed. So um, descendants of this particular Indian tribe, it was Indian, was Indian Creek or yeah, National was, Creek was, Society or something like that. Was, yeah. I can't you remember. Okay. So the descendants, the, the direct descendants of these, um, I should say Native Americans, not Indians, of these Native Americans were basically awarded reparations in the form of land. But they thought they gave them this land because they thought it was worthless. Yes. They, it, the, the soil was terrible. It couldn't be farmed. And what they did was is they, they made sure to um, lounge out the poorest of the... Um, you know the poorest soil contents, or the or the land that you know wasn't really functioning to make money to these um, Native Americans and to um, the black direct descendants of these Native Americans. But what had happened was <laughs> they couldn't farm the land, right? Right. It was like rock infested, basically. It was poor soil, kind of like like you said. And then they found out they could flush oil out of it, and not just any amount of oil, but it was. 2,500 barrels, barrels a day. A day. And so typically or technically that amounts to basically back in them times, baby girl was getting about $300 a day just from her land, from the amount of oil that was being um, um, drilled. And, and if you and if you were like me and grew up with an old school mama, when I first was reading this story, all I could think about was, I'm going to tell you a story about a man named Jay. <laughs> All I could think about was black gold. All I could yeah, think about was that. So you know that this was literally black gold. And you remember on when the when the um at the beginning of that show and it showed the like the gusher yes. of the oil like busting out. That's all I could think. Y'all, I know I'm old in country, but that's what I could think about anyway. So you know the man. Oh my! Always God. gotta have his hand on your coin. So what had happened was because 
these um, descendants and um, these basically black children or black people had the rights to all this land. And once they realized that they were making so much money, they created a law, which normally happens that these black children had to have a responsible white guardian. Even though Sarah had two parents of her own, we were talking about this earlier, white people actually wanted to declare her white, even though she clearly isn't. Because they didn't want that much money or that much wealth associated with black blood. Which is crazy. So they assigned her a white guardian to take over her because, I mean, two able-bodied functioning black parents, you know, couldn't possibly manage their own children and this money. So... They assigned um, baby Sarah um, a white guardian. And so what had happened was um, the guardian wasn't taking care of Sarah. Sarah was running around in tattered clothing. She was unkept. And um, this kind of just keeps going on into the black history. Um, W.E.B. Dubois actually um, stepped in. They were notified through a newspaper called the um, Chicago Defender about this rich, you know, millionaire black child that was assigned a white guardian that was being mistreated. And this actually led to the development of the Children's Department of the uh, NAACP in 1914. So they stepped in and made sure that, you know, Sarah and, you know, the associated um, people in the area were getting their due. And Sarah went on to become a millionaire and was popping. She had businesses. Go ahead, Tiff. From high school, she went on to Tuskegee University. She bought a mansion in Kansas City, Missouri. She got married. She had like three kids, a chauffeur. I read that she would uh, get her chauffeur to chauffeur the kids nearby to like school every day. Like that's that's adorable. Oh, you know, that was that was burning in people back then. Mm -hmm. She had a boarding school. Um, But all of this started when she was around the age of 12 years old. Yes. And I also read that she was getting marriage proposals at that time from foreigners. Mm -hmm. Like the Germans were sending letters wanting to marry this child. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's crazy because this just goes back again to representation Mm -hmm. and what people want us to see. And there is no shade towards, you know, this historical black figure that, you know, I'm appreciative of, and I wouldn't know the things that I know about hair and all this type of stuff if my aunt, you know, hadn't idolized this person, you know, Madam C.J. Walker. You right. know, they always tell us, and, and in my mind, I always thought that that was one of the first, like, that she was the only one that was a millionaire or had amassed a lot of wealth, but nobody ever taught us about Sarah Rector. Like, we, I, know, I knew nothing about this until I became an adult. So I just felt like this was a very obscure and interesting yes. black history fact. And I can see this being a movie. Like, they should make a movie you know out of what? this. I'm sure. I'm certain they're going to get around to it. And it's funny that you would say that because it's all about the stories that we're told. And you're saying that you thought Madam C.J. Walker was, you know, the first or one of the first or the only. Um, and I was reading about Ida B. Wills. So, you know, we know lots of things about her. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a teacher, you know, at a young age. But I was reading about how she sued the train company. Because she went to get on a train, and I can't remember where she was going, uh, but she was about 20, 20 years old, was like in 1855 or something mm-hmm. like that. And she, the conductor wanted her to get up and leave that train car because of her race, and she wouldn't. And they dragged her off of the train. Can you imagine? And she sued the train company, and she won. Mm. Um, eventually, it got overturned um, in another state. But basically, she won, and that was like in the 1850s. Bus boycott with Rosa Parks, taking nothing away from that at all. But that happened in 1955. So, mm-hmm. 
Ida B. Wells was doing it. I mean, you know, you hear people say all the time Rosa wasn't the first person to not get up from her, her seat or whatever. She's just the most famous. But Ida B. Wells is already a figure in our community that we know about, but I didn't know that. No, and it, it just goes once again to, and I'm going to keep saying this, the people that are in the rooms that are making these decisions for what we learn, it just shows what they value yeah. and what they feel um, is important. And just to put this into context, guys, Sarah Rector didn't pass away until 1967. So this is not something that happened in the early 1800s. Like, this is recent, recent given our, you know, history and even our parents. I mean, you know, my mom was born at this time. Like, this, you know, well, you know, once she passed. Right. But, I mean, those generations have overlapped that much. So when people tell you, to not remember your history or to get over it or that was this amount of time ago. It was not that long ago and we still have a long ways to go. We are still having to make strides and break down doors and bust through ceilings that should have happened a long time ago and we're just now getting there. So don't let anyone tell you otherwise. That's so true. And I, you know, it's, it's funny because as I was reading and preparing, um, I noticed that I was going to highlight women a lot. And at Me first too. I started to feel guilty about that. And then I'm like, no, we need to hear it. Like, um, we were talking a few days ago about the Playboy Bunny outfits. It's the first time that I heard that mm-hmm. a black woman is the one who created those outfits. Mm-hmm. Her name was Zelda Valdez. And she didn't pass away into two, until 2001. She was like 96. Um, but she's the designer responsible for that. For is the this Playboy Bunny outfit? Is she the? There's also um, a black designer. I'm not sure if it's um, Zelda, but a black designer is responsible for a lot of Jackie O's um, fashions and wardrobes too. I believe that. I believe uh, that. Uh, you know, and they always talk about you know how Jackie O um, revolutionized, yes. fa- you know, first lady fashion, which she yes. did because Mama yes. was fly. Mm-hmm. But you know. Her designer is either designer and or seamstress mm-hmm. um, for a lot of those notable designs was a black woman, right. which they don't tell us. Right. You know, you, you have to, to determine these things and, and research these things and learn these things on your own and tell your children these yeah. things. Tell so them, Tell them they can mow the lawn because of a black person or they can use cell phones because of a black person or the refrigerator works or the air conditioner works. Because somebody who was black, or you can brush your hair because of someone who was black. Mm-hmm, Our mm-hmm. kids need to know that. So who you got next? I have plenty. I mean, really, I learned a lot this week. Um, I know there was a lady by the name of Kathy Williams, and I don't know if you know about the Buffalo so- Soldiers who fought in the American Civil Buffalo War. Buffalo Soldiers. I know, right? I've been walking around singing that Trail all day. Like Rasta. So, hey. um... But she posed as a man. And she, she really? She didn't even, she Mulaned them. Mulaned. I Mulaned you, ho. Yeah, she went as um, <laughs> William Cathy instead of Kathy Williams. She went in as William Cathy, and she fought um, in plenty of battles. She was the first African-American woman to enlist, and she's the only one documented to do it as a man. But she actually did participate in battle. Um, and I just think that was really dope and brave of her. It's You know what? I think it's a testament to the men and women who, whether voluntarily or involuntarily through like a draft or what have you, went and fought for 
a country, risked their lives, and then came back to certain parts of the country and had to walk through the back door. Exactly. Or was still referred to as boy and gal right. and nigger. And, you know, it's just crazy. You know what? I'm glad I wasn't alive back then. Because... I just don't, I mean, maybe I would have been able to take it, but, you know, because my mindset would have been different and those were the times, but just to think of the magnitude, like, I just went out here and, like, in her case, willingly right. risk my life for this country and you telling me that I can't use the same bathroom as you, right. but I was good enough to go and die for this country. Yeah. I built this country for free, basically. Right. Shout out to Angela Rye. We built this for free. You know what I'm saying? And, and people don't want to take you know, the information and really ingest it. But the reason that the United States is such an economic powerhouse is because they got 400 years of free, free labor. labor. Yes. They paid nothing for 400 years of free labor through slavery. That is why we are the economic powerhouse that we are. Right. And it pisses me off. You see, I'm getting emotional. I'm getting hyped. I know. Because when I tell you, I love Black History Month because it does give us a time to just to really blast it out there. But this is not something that I've just lived for 28 days or, or right. a leap, on a leap year. It's 365. It's, it's 365, right, 366 on a leap year. And these are the things that we need to know so that no one can tell us who we are. No one can dictate what we can and cannot do because we've done everything already. Right. And we just getting better, so... Okay, so um, a, a little known black history fact that I had, which it may not be um, a little known black history fact to people who are from this area, but it was little known to me, mm -hmm. um, is that the first African-American to appear on um, a U.S. coin by himself was Duke Ellington, and he yes. was on the D.C. quarter in 2009. And I was just like, oh, my God, that is so cool, because I remember when I was younger, I just had this dream that I was going to move to D.C. and go to the Duke Ellington School of the Arts and just be fly and popping. So that just... Still fly and popping. <laughs> okay, now. I mean, I still got that part down. But, you know, that just was um, interesting to me, and I thought that was a cool thing because yeah. I never um, thought about it. Now, I have, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but there is a black man on the $2 bill. Yeah. Okay, so, but he's not on there by himself. And then we had the whole issue with Harriet Tubman supposing to be on the 20, but they have since put a halt to that due to Trump and his minions. But Duke Ellington was the first one to appear on a U.S. Um, piece of currency by himself. So I thought that was cool to know. Very deserving, too. I was just thinking about something that you said earlier um, with regards to, like, black people doing something for a society that doesn't believe in them, that doesn't care mm -hmm. for them. And I, I, th I had that same thought earlier when I was reading about Charles Drew, who created the blood bank. And I'm mm -hmm. like, for a man or for a people who, you know, you're worried in battle that white soldiers, even if they're like on their deathbed, you don't want them to have blood from like black people. Yep. And like even in society today, like even when I was a kid, I can remember hearing stories about how the families wanted to make sure that even if their family member was on their deathbed, you know, they wanted to make sure that the blood transfusion or the blood, um, that they were getting was going to be Caucasian blood. So for somebody who's black, who actually created the blood bank, um, just to be black. And it's kind of like, yo, you're literally benefiting from our talents left and right. And you're worried 
about whether or not you're going to get some blood from a person who it's the same blood type. It's though. the you same. Need it. Like that goes back to even, you know, us being ignorant about blood donation and such whenever, um, whenever the Red Cross had put out that they needed more black, black, black blood, blood and everybody blood. was all upset. And basically the Red Cross like put together a tweet thread and shaded everybody like, yeah. we're telling you that we need this because your loved ones, your friends, your family. There's not enough. There's not enough. You know, sickle cell is huge right. in the black um, community. And so they need this blood to give to us. You can't give someone with sickle cell normal blood. Like, you, we need that. Right. So it, it's just it's just crazy to me, you know. But shout out to him for um basically um, inventing or coming up with what is now known as the modern um, blood bank. And just to touch on blood back in the war, do you know that they used to store um, the blood in glass Coca-Cola bottles? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm telling you, I cringed when I heard. I was like, oh, my God, that is so disgusting. Just basically being someone who has transfused blood before because she clatched it, but she's smart, though. I'm just like, I couldn't imagine going to, you know, getting – blood from the blood bank or the pharmacy and it being a Coke bottle. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, that is just crazy to me. But Talk about obscure. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, okay, now what we got? What we got? So, you got anybody left over Um, there? Yes, I do. I have one that's important, given how technology-driven and phone-based okay. um, that we are. One oh, person that... where you going. You, Go know, ahead, you, yes. know, you know where I'm going. I, mm-hmm. I, I, we see each other. I see you. Yes, we are. Miss um, Shirley Ann Jackson, she, um, aside from her contributions um, in telecommunications, she is the first African-American woman to have earned her doctorate at MIT, yep. and she is known for her um, numerous, numerous developments um, with telecommunications as far as helping to develop the caller ID, the touchtone phone, portable fax machine, yeah. and fiber optic cable. So she's technically black history in the making. She's black future. That's right. She's she's, she's black future. The, when we say the female is future, that's, we're talking about Dr. Shirley Jackson. Dr. Shirley Jackson got it going on, okay? She's the reason why we can get an email in like six seconds. Exactly, or that you can have a tiny fax app on your phone, take a picture of it, and it come through as a fax to your job. Exactly. Miss Shirley Ann Jackson. Black girl magic. Let me clap on that. Please clap for her. Let, let me join you. <laughs> Excellent. Um, speaking of technology, so Mark Hanna was the co-founder of Silicon Graphics. Okay. And his computer programs, I know um, you talked about cartridges earlier, but his computer programs were basically instrumental in creating the um, special effects for some of our favorite films. So I loved, I've always loved dinosaurs. So Mm -hmm. Jurassic Park, that series is like one of my favorites. Jurassic Park, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, which is my favorite classic. Like he's responsible for making sure that we have those effects. That's awesome. I know. You know what? I've always loved dinosaurs. And I can remember being a little girl and, like, just looking outside or, say, if I was sitting on the porch. And I used to say to myself, like, could you imagine if it was just a dinosaur walking through here? Like, how big they were? I know this is, like, I'm freaking nerding out and going all the way to Bill Not a Science God levels right. of nerdish. But I used to literally think about that. Like, could you just imagine looking out your window and seeing a damn dinosaur? Don't feel bad. I used to do the same thing. So, I'm not crazy, right? No, not. I mean, you are crazy, but not because <laughs> of the, the dinosaur. Thing. Like I said, I am good crazy. And this is one thing that I want to touch on because 
although it it is black history and it's always talked about i don't think it's talked about in this context um halle berry was the first african-american woman to win the oscar for best actress um, listen to me actress actress with a t T. okay um but dorothy dandridge was the first african-american woman to be nominated talk about beautiful and it goes back to why aren't we emulating yeah. and, That's you know, idolizing these these women. And a thing that I just wanted to highlight is, um, this is me nerding out, y'all, and this shows how deep my love is for film. When I was at the illustrious Winston-Salem State University, I um, did a paper on um, Halle Berry and Dorothy Dandridge. Mm-hmm. And they were, they're from the same um, state, they have a lot of similarities. They're both, um, you know, um, um, similar in their backgrounds and ethnicities. And so I just really, it was just crazy to me how similar they were. And when Hallie played her in that movie, how much she was Dorothy Dandridge. And it just, I feel like that movie was a testament from Hallie to Dorothy and then for Hallie to come behind her and, and win, and, win and actually make black history. Yeah. I felt like that was just, I don't know. It just, re- every time I think about that in her speech and just how Hallie looked, I feel like that win was for Dorothy Dandridge. That was Dorothy's win. It was indeed. So that's just a, you know, black history in the making, even though Hallie is still with us and still fly as every time. When I look at Hallie Berry's, do you follow her on Instagram? Do you see how I'm looking at you? Girl, mother her is banging. They must just work out all day, every day, and go on vacation at this point because they look so good. And you know, Halle Berry, actually, she also has type 1 diabetes, yes. and she's partially deaf in one ear. Yeah, Girl, I'm telling you, I'm obsessed with Halle. I love Halle Berry. But I just feel like, you know, I want, I thought about throwing that in, and I was like, eh. But since we talked about the whole thing with Betty Boop and, you know, right. people not idolizing their own, I felt like, you know, I could just throw that in there because we we have people that we can idolize. We have Etta James, we have Lena Horne, we have Dorothy Dandridge, hell, um, Aretha Franklin. You know what? what Tina we need Turner. To do is, um, I mean, come on. In March, like on our social media, maybe we just need to go on a campaign highlighting women of color. You know that our little girls need to be looking towards. Yeah. As inspiration, that would Boom. be nice. That would be nice because little girls need to see themselves. Images. Repre- and representation mm-hmm. is is so needed and it's so important and i am just thankful to grow to have grown up with a mama who gave me black barbie dolls right that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say on that um what is well i don't want to ask what your interpretation is but what do you think society thinks of when they think of Black Panther, the group, like the Black Panthers of the 60s? Listen, this is, girl, you gonna, you, you gonna make me. I'm opening up. I'm you opening gonna, you gonna make me. The lid off. You gonna make me throw this, um, this microphone down. Okay, I'm gonna get real personal with you. Go for it. So, when I was in middle school, I went to a middle school, and the name of the middle school is RS Middle School. Okay. Um. And I was in some exploratory class. I can't remember what the class was. But, and this just goes to show how militant I've been for my entire life. Um, We could pick, um, we had to do a project and we could pick any subject, any topic, anything that we wanted to. We just had to complete, you know, each of the guidelines that were outlined for the project. Right. So, 
of course me, with my black ass, mm-hmm. I chose to do my project on the Black Panthers. Now, this was, that was in the seventh grade. Okay, good. Um, I researched. I did everything that was asked of me on the project. Had a, um, um, you know, a board. You know, the, the board. What are those boards called that stand up? It's like three sides that you do your science project on. You know what I'm talking about? Those trifold boards yeah. or whatever. Had a board and everything. And anybody that knows me knows that I'm creative as hell. So my board was what? Popping. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just knew. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, I done freaked this. Like, I'm about to get an A. So, you know, I did my project or whatever. I feel like I'm about to get angry. You are about to get angry. I did my project or whatever. Now, it's not to say that I didn't receive a good grade. A grade. I received an A on the project. But after the presentations, um, my teacher, you know, dismissed class. And she said, Courtney, I need you to stay after class. So I never had any problems with this lady. You know, I was just like, oh, okay, you know, maybe she... I don't know, want to ask me something or I don't know. So I stayed after class and basically she cornered me and asked me what would make me want to do a project on murderers? Why would I ever want to do a project on murderers? The Black Panthers were murderers. They killed cops. They killed white people. And I'm sitting here in the seventh grade like, can you read a book, lady? And did you hear anything that I just said? Did you even listen to my project or did you hear Black Panthers and you you know, went totally left when if you really want to be honest about it, we, and this is a, this is a topic a for a totally yeah, different one, but we can get into COINTELPRO and the way that, you know, the government targeted and went on a campaign I to destroy the Black Panthers rep- representation. Black Panthers were responsible for the first, like, welfare programs and the WIC programs and feeding each other and knowing your rights and, um, you know, basically carrying out that Second Amendment that Trump supporters love to throw up. Yeah, they started health clinics and, you know, the ambulance program, uh, the ambulance services. Education. They had publications. Yes, they they, they promoted arts, illust- illustrators that, you know, those those are that artwork is still being put in the museums right. and being reverenced, um, reverenced today. So just going back to my seventh grade self, really, I think she thought that she was reprimanding me. But all it did was just light, light the fire, fire even more. Yeah, I knew you were gonna. And I that. have, and I, I it, like to this day, I have made it my mission to be as black and proud every single day in everybody's face as much as I can to let you know that nothing will silence me. It's so funny that people have that perception of uh, Black Panthers when they were so committed to serving the black community in that way through social programming. Through social programming, we we won't even get on the infiltration of crack and heroin you know through the government into black communities we won't get on fred hampton and his assassination and and that type of thing that was instrumented and carried out by the federal government the same federal government that that holds near and and dear the anthem and that you get mad at people like colin kaepernick for kneeling like this the the same the same institution and then you wonder why us as black folks have such a hard time kneeling for that right and and saying that i trust in these institutions that i trust in the government that i trust in police when you basically have an army of police shoot up fred hampton's home and then when you get in there and see that he's moving say he's not dead yet and shoot him more in front of his child and his baby don't get me started listen i'm beyonce at the super bowl okay i got my beret on i got my black on i am ready for you hoes don't get me started i'm gonna calm down because i'm lit 
You're it's Black History now. Month and I am fucking lit. You hear me? Okay, I'm going to calm down. So, I'm going to calm down. Well, I was going to talk about like the whole <laughs> breakfast thing, but that just went totally left, so we'll just post it on our Instagram. And let me tell and you. We'll do another episode about Black Panthers. I am not one to be ashamed of my background. I'm not one to hide anything. I had wit growing up. I had the food stamps in the white envelope when it was paper and not a card. I am a product of that. And I have, I feel like it's just a testament to the will within yourself to what you can go through and withstand and still come out better for it. You know what I'm saying? So I don't have a problem with telling these things and being a proponent for, you know, um, for uh, of organizations like the Black Panther, because without something like free, like I'm gonna be honest, without free lunch, without free breakfast, I may have been hungry at school. Okay, same. You same. know what I'm saying? Like, time. I mean, who knows? And it's it's funny. I mean, just to reel it back a little bit, they the first time the Black Panthers had the free breakfast program, they fed 11 children. By the end of that week, they had fed 135 children, like in one week. So they were preparing the food, they were serving the food, knocking on doors to let people know where it was. Um, and I feel, I think like maybe two months later, they had lots of these programs in, in different facets of the Black Panther Party. Uh-huh. So like in New Orleans, they were feeding 300 children a week. That's crazy. And they made it mandatory eventually for every single chapter to have a program like this, mm-hmm. which is how the government under J. Edgar Hoover. Yes. We can do a whole episode on him. We too. may have to do a whole episode on Black Panther and, you know, talk Definitely. about the documentary and talk about, you know, when um, Eldridge Cleaver fled because, you know, he was um, being um, charged with murder and exactly. he fled or whatever to to, pre- to prevent that um persecution basically we can go on we can go on and on about you know um Huey Newton and how he basically said to be a revolutionary is basically suicide because you know they're gonna take you out Mm -hmm. they're gonna go to any extremes to take you out because you are too powerful look at this the U the U.S. government was so upset that a grassroots organization was able to feed and educate their own community and it was almost like um like how Melvin Dixon used to say, it's almost like they were upset because it's making them look bad. Mm -hmm. So here the U.S. is with all of this money and they can't feed us or educate us or clothe us or protect us. So now we're doing it ourselves and now you don't like that because it makes you look um, inferior. Mm -hmm. And it it makes you look inferior, but the main thing is, is it destroys the narrative that you try to project about us. Exactly. It destroys it really the narrative. It destroys that so superiority you- complex, which is a facade that you use to build yourself up and to oppress other people justifiably. It destroys that. Right. So, so you if we say you don't, we don't take care of our community. We don't take care of our children. You know that we're not there. Exactly. That we can't. You know we don't work hard. Exactly. Because, because we're, we're show- selling that rumor. We're showing you that okay, you don't want to do it for us. We could do us our do it ourselves, just like with Black Wall Street. Yeah. They tell you that you lazy. They tell you that you don't work. They tell you that you uneducated. And then when you go out and be like, okay, you, bump you, you. we gonna do exactly because it destroys that superiority complex that America was built on. Right. It destroys their identity because for some people. They are nothing without feeling like they're superior to somebody, whether it's a black person, whether it's a brown person, whether it's a female. 
they 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 don't know who they are without feeling like they're over somebody they're better than somebody they're entitled to something that nobody else is and so when we band together and dispel that and basically give you our ass to kiss you they do everything to to try to 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 basically destroy that the same thing with the black lives matter matters movement it's a um, federal document out now and they're calling black lives matter black ex- the black extremist movement that's the same thing that they Call did to the black, black panthers black extremist identity is detrimental to the society no it's not detrimental detrimental to society it's detrimental to your you know the the systematic racism and oppression that you have in place because if we if we rise up and tell you that black lives matter if we rise up and vote you out that's going to affect your end all be all right it doesn't fit into your status quo that's, that's not what you expected you expect us expected to keep us where we are so once we show you that we're not going to stay there and we're not going to take it then we're a threat then we're a terrorist organization. When you have white men going in movie theaters and shooting people up, when you have white men going into churches and killing people, when you have white teenagers going into school and shooting people up, when you have people like Timothy McVeigh bombing in in Oklahoma and killing thousands and thousands of people, like who's the real terrorist here? Right. Because we ain't doing that. The worst thing we do is shoot each other. We, I mean, I'm just being real. Like, we're not going anywhere and doing crazy shit like that. So who's the real terrorist? Who are you? Who should you really be afraid of? A whole word. And I'm going to just drop the mic because I can go on and on and on like Eba do. You hear me? Okay. All right. Let's wrap that up. Let's wrap it up. I think we did good. I think we gave y'all some good information. And, and I hope y'all enjoyed it. it. We tried to make it fun. It got really serious. But, it got really serious. But, it, but it's necessary. These are necessary conversations. I mean, and there are some black people who, for nothing, that's what they think of Black Panther, the Black Panther Party, too, because that's what they've been taught. So we're just here to dispel all of those rumors. Um, so, Beyonce. What brought you joy this week besides being called Beyonce? You know what? And I'm going to go back. This is quick. I just want to give a shout out to um, to my cousin Asia because we had a kind of like emotional um, Snapchat exchange. And, you know, it just brought me back to um, when her and her mom used to call me Cortante. So... <laughs> <laughs> that brought me joy when I thought about me being called Cortante. But anyway, um, one of the things that brought me joy this week, um, let me see. I had a few things that brought me joy. Um, the hashtag that was on um, Twitter that was going around, Black Men Smiling. Oh, yeah. That yeah. brought me joy because when I tell you, I love me some black men, hunty. Okay, I love me some black men. That was one of the things that brought me joy. Another thing that brought me joy was um, some news that had got out about um, this school in Vermont. If you don't know, Vermont is one of the most non-black states in America. But this um, one particular high school, I think it's, I don't know how to pronounce this. I'm probably butchering the name of this high school. I think it's Montpelier, Montpelier High School. Um, for the first day of um, 
Black History Month, and I, I don't know how long this will go on, but I know it possibly will go on for the entire month of February. The um, It's a group there, and they're called the Racial Justice Alliance, and it's an organization within the high school. They actually um, were able to get a Black Lives Matter flag flown under the U.S. flag for the whole month of oh, February. Um, nice. Yes, and that brought me joy. And um, the Racial Justice Alliance of the Montpelier High School basically said that to them, the flag represents safety opportunity and justice and I thought that is like an awesome way to start Black History Month especially in an area that there aren't that many black folks so that brought me joy to know that I mean because the administration had to okay that so that just gives me hope that there are people listening and seeing and knowing that um, BLM is not a terrorist organization BLM is not detrimental to society it's necessary because you know, we are oppressed. So that brought me joy. And I, and it's kind of heavy, but it's, it's happy at the same time. So what brought you joy? So things bring, it's the small things for me. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think I said this earlier and you kind of touched on Will Smith and his Instagram. Mm -hmm. Will Smith posted, um, something about fanning people, not necessarily needing to be in your life. Yes. They're and putting your flame like, out. Basically, you need to make sure that the people in your life are fanning your flames mm-hmm. um, instead of snuffing them out. And I'm paraphrasing. But I always think, man, like with my loved ones, my friends, my family, like I've been a flame um, fanner my whole life, right? Mm-hmm. I, one of my former coworkers used to call me Jiminy Cricket because he was like, <laughs> man, you can just... I just need to carry you everywhere. Just put put you in, you know, all of our pockets because you're so positive when it comes to pushing people towards their dreams and mm-hmm. looking on the bright side. And so it just made me feel good when I saw that because it was a reflection of myself. And then I said, okay, Tiffany, now it's time for you to go and see who are your flame fanners. And so this week I've just kind of been going through and saying, okay, this is a flame fanner and this is a flame snuffer. But it was a nice realization for me. And like I said, I always enjoy that. And then I had a nice little exchange via social media with one of my friends, Adrian, mm-hmm. who is not black, <clears throat> but she is lit all the time. Um, we have been in orchestra classes before. Uh, I play the violin. She played the viola. And we've always remained really uh, close. And she's my birthday buddy. And oh, so she she's a birthday like, twin. Yes, yeah, she's my birthday twin. And so... We're ba- it's funny that you say that because we always call each other twin. Yeah, it's your you birthday know, twin. A black girl with black hair, and she's a white girl with red hair. Um, all we oh, that makes it. me that makes me think of my friend Leslie. It's so oh, funny. Yeah. We took a picture together, like side by side. And Leslie is not black, but we took a picture together side by side. And I remember I posted, and I was like, "Twins." <laughs> it was so cute, but I love like, uh, I love my twins? Leslie. Yes, we are twins because she is my sister friend, and I love her. Um, so, dang, Courtney, I had a story. You were talking about your friend? You had a social media exchange? Adrian, yes. So, she was basically trying to help me, um, with things to watch on TV. We were Mm -hmm. talking about Black Panther. I think she asked me if I had seen Black Lightning, which I haven't had a chance to look at I haven't either. I keep saying I'm going to watch it. I heard that it was good. Um, and then she said, you know, she was going to catch up on Living Single because I think Living Single is on Hulu now. <laughs> She's and never I, watched it? Yeah, she has. Oh, but okay. I'm just saying, now that it's on Hulu, you can go back and watch it. 
And I, I we were joking because, you know, we said, we were talking about how I thought I was going to be Khadijah when I grew up and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And I was like, don't judge me. And she was like, um, I practically, she said, I, you practically are Khadijah. You're smart, sharp, savvy, and classy. Oh! <laughs> and I was just like, I don't know why. But that made my day. That made my day. It will. You, like, you thanks for stroking my ego, You girl. all need that. Like, like I always say, you know, we all need, we all need those hype men in our corners. Yeah. And that kind of goes into my word of the day or my word for the, my good word for the good people. Okay, give, go ahead. Okay. What's your good word? My good word. It's going to be good. It, 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 honey, it's always good because the Lord be giving me the, the ministry. Okay. So, <clears throat> my good word for the good people is, and this is specifically, it's specifically for my sisters, but, you know, it can be applied to men, too. I had to do that. Mm-hmm. It's 2018, y'all. And this may sound superficial. This may sound jaded. And this may just sound downright crazy to some of you. And if, and if so, this ain't a word for you. But in 2018, brothers and sisters, do not be with anyone and I'm speaking on like personal relationships, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. You don't need to be with nobody who is not your number one stan. I didn't say fan. I said stan. A whole cheerleader. I need a whole listen, cheerleader. You hear me? Listen. What do you need? Where's my water bottle? All of that. You got this. Okay. Like you the baddest, and excuse my language, you the baddest bitch in here. Okay. That's why I'm with you. We're going to do this together. Like them hoes, they got nothing on you. No, you are number one. You are the prize. When I when I wake up, I'm thinking of damn, how me and my girl or how me and my dude gonna rock out? How we how we gonna shit on y'all hoes this this week? Right. That's what you need in your corner. And it goes back to people lighting your your flame and, and fanning it for you and keeping you going. You need that. You need somebody that is your number one stand because I don't know about y'all, but every day I don't feel like I can keep up all the stuff I have going on. I don't feel worthy every day. I don't feel good enough every day. And you need people, and especially the person that is you're a partner with, they have to be your number one stand and vice versa. They have to feel like you are the shit and there's nobody else. And in 2018, moving forward, don't be with nobody who is not there for you. And that's my good word for all of my good black people. Drops Mike. <laughs> Y'all should see how Tiffany looking at me. I love I love when she looks at me like this. Because that means I just dropped some verbal bombs on y'all. I just dropped some bars on y'all. Listen. <laughs> It'll bless you if you let it. It'll bless you if, listen. That'll preach right there. Now, when Christmas come around, don't say I didn't give y'all nothing. Because I gave it to you in February Early. for Black History Month. Early. Come on, Tiff. Come on with your word. Ooh, I don't know if I should. Listen. That was good. Listen, and it ain't, but you know what? People think it has something to do with somebody being conceited. No. I need my man, and if I was a dude, I need my girl to to feel like I am the shit. Right. Like, you got it. Same. You got it. Like, listen, we, that's why I'm with you. Right. That's why I'm with you because I'm the shit, you the shit. We gonna we just gonna take over together. That's and you right. don't you don't need nobody that's not like that with you. Why do I want somebody who don't feel like I'm the shit? You don't, and quiet as it's kept, that's how people infiltrate infiltrate your relationships. It's kinda like where and it, 
not like a whole lack because everybody can't be 100% all the time. That's why you work towards things in relationships. Right. But like on a consistent basis, if I'm going to work or going to my social places and I'm constantly being praised by other people and then I come home and I can't get a hand clap or a pat on the back or a rub on the back if I'm having a bad day, why are you here? Right. And the same thing goes with friends. and not The to, same thing goes with friends. Not to get off topic, but one thing I want to say is with me and, you know, some of my business um, ventures as far as Black Smart Proud, one thing I want to say is I've seen a lot of memes with you say people your friends and you don't support them and da-da-da-da. My friends is the shit. I can't name not one friend, somebody that I consider my friend that has not bought something, that has not asked me about it, that has not posted about it. Like, I had, you know, people wearing my shirts in Thailand, Costa Rica. Like, if these people say they're your friends and they're not supporting you, they're not telling you that you the shit, they're not your friends, boo. Same thing goes for your relationships. If you got a dude or you got a girl that don't tell you that you the shit and don't take up for you and don't push you forward... They're not your man or your woman. Right. You got to move on. You can do better. You can do better. And that's that's just been on my spirit. And it was, it's been on my spirit for a while. And then it kind of got validated through um, some experiences and conversations with um, a friend. But I just really feel like, like even with that that picture of Jay-Z and Beyonce, when he was, when he, he's the one taking those pictures. Yeah, he's he's her biggest her fan. Pictures. Mm-hmm. He's her biggest fan. Like, why would I want a dude that's not my biggest fan? Why would if I was a dude, why would I want a chick that's not my biggest fan? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't answer that question. But I know in 2018, she's not gonna do it. And Tiffany ain't gonna do it either. Okay. Right, hold me accountable. Honey, go ahead and give your word because I will preach up in here. Okay, okay, so mine is simple, right? It is save it in your drafts. Okay? Mm. Save it in your draft. That's a good one. Look, I'm, I'm interested. I'm over. I'm an overthinker, right? I don't think that's a bad thing. Sometimes I've missed opportunities because I was thinking too hard, but mm-hmm. that's fine because it also keeps me out of a lot of trouble sometimes. I'm not advising other people to be overthinkers, but what I am saying is people do not think before they speak and they do not think before they post. Lord. If you duh. could, just if you're feeling emotional, whether it's about your relationship or your job or whatever, if you feel like you want to post it, I advise you to write it down in a journal or at minimum, save it in your drafts. Go back and read it 24 hours Mm -hmm. later. Now, if you're still feeling the same way and you want to put it out there, by all means, do it and take on the repercussions. But I guarantee you could, because I've done it. Nine times out of ten, I always save stuff in my draft. That's why I go to... back and I read it, and I'm like, you know what? This is not right. Let me just write this down in my journal because I don't want people to see this. I'm not as emotional as I was yesterday. Right. It'll save you a lot of heartbreak. That's why I go to therapy. Because it ain't, ain't going to get repeated. I can say whatever I want to say. Hello, someone. It ain't going to get repeated. Say it a little louder for the people in the back. Go to therapy. You, you can say whatever you want to say, and then when you leave, it's done. You said it. You told somebody. But everything ain't, that just goes back to everything ain't for everybody. Yep. Where are your homegirls? Where's your bestie? Right. Where's your mama? Where's your brother, your sister? Tell them that. Right. Because they're not going to tell nobody. And then, 24 hours later, you ain't going to be looking like no damn fool. Exactly. Don't, don't, everything ain't for everybody. And that's good or bad. Everything just ain't for everybody. What are you saving for yourself? Right. What are you saving for your you know, your, your circle. Yeah. Your circle. Why do you your have to mate. post everything? Even if you're and I have been, trust me, we've all been there. We've been upset. 
We've been mad. Mm-hmm. We want to blast people. We want to subliminally tweet and, and, and post people. But my thing is, it's not doing nothing but making you look bitter and letting that person know that they get into you because whoever you sub and they know who you're talking about. Exactly. Your friends know who you're talking about. So just don't do it. Save it in your drafts. Going, they're either arguing back with you subliminally or and, and both of you look ridiculous or they're going on about their lives and you look ridiculous. And you look ridiculous because they, they sitting around laughing at you going with their life and you sitting over here listening to me. Look, child, Y'all I'm pouring. I'm over here, here pouring pouring wine. wine. <laughs> they laughing and going on about their day and you stressed and getting ulcers and high blood pressure and all of this and posting and looking crazy. Every look, some of some of the stuff that you post is journal worthy. Right. Post it in your I mean, write it in your journal. And then when you go back and read, I've done that. I went back and read something, be like, what the? Right. I must have been really I upset really that day. Yeah. <laughs> I was mad that day. Or you look and it'll be like one day, and then three days later, it'd be totally different. You'd be like, oh, it was I it was just going through something. Right. But I was you know, tripping. I was tripping. So that's a good word. And I, I'm gonna take that for myself because sometimes I wanna go in on people. Don't do it. But then I realize that just call me, girl. I I just realized that just they Listen, I realize that I'm a hundred dollar bill and they spare change, and it's no point in me even breaking my hundred dollar bill for you. <laughs> I had a joke. I'm, I'm just, I'm it. just saying. Right. It so, is what it is. With that being said, uh, as a call to action, I want to know how you're celebrating Black History. Uh, Good I know one. it's going to be lit for you guys. It's going to be lit for us. We're going to see Black Panther. Hey. Um, we're going to uh, see documentaries. We're going to see Angela Davis yes, in Durham. Davis. Y'all know that's, that's going to be lit. Be lit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we want to know how you're celebrating uh, Black History. And if you've posted it, even if you've already posted it, please tag us at the Culture Shock Podcast so that we can... Take a look uh, at the, on that as well. You have something else? I do have something to say. Y'all, if you follow us at Culture Shock Podcast on IG, we are currently in the midst of a Black Panther ticket giveaway. Right. Um, so if you go to our IG, go to our post about the ticket giveaway and follow the entry um, rules and participate, you can win two free tickets to see Black Panther. And it doesn't matter what city that you're in. So please check us out on IG. Follow us. Participate in the giveaway. That way you and a friend or you and your parent or you and your child, somebody can experience Black Panther on the Culture Shock Podcast because we want everybody to go. And we want to do our part in making sure that we sell out Black Panther, you know, just crazy in the first weekend. Exactly. So speaking of our IG, we are the Culture Shock Podcast at Culture Shock Podcast on Instagram. We're on SoundCloud and iTunes as the Culture Shock Podcast, and you can always email us at blackcultureshockpodcast at gmail.com. Um, oh, I almost forgot. What you have forgot, girl? What you have forgot? But I don't want them to forget. <laughs> we have the HBCU walking billboard. Oh, yes. I meant to tell you to make sure you said that. And tomorrow yes. is our day. Tomorrow is our day. A chew the back, a chew the back, a spit. If you ain't a ram, then you ain't shh. Oh, Tiffany said it. Oh, So anyway, by the time you hear this, Winston-Salem State University Day will have passed because it's on the 5th. Um, But we're going to post the calendar onto our Instagram. So if you have attended or have kids that are going to any of these colleges, wear the paraphernalia. We'll give you the information on who to tag. But it's basically an HBCU walking billboard for kids that are in high school to see the representation as we 
talk about representation and images on our show all of the time. Additionally, I know I mentioned this last week, but at Beatty's Ford Road Regional Library, I said Beatty's Ford Road, right? Beatty's Ford. Yeah, you got it right. Good they for you. And PBS is Tell Them We Are Rising. Uh, again, it's the film documentary documenting the role the HBCUs have played in American history. And the screening is next Sunday, February the 11th at 2 p.m. Please, please, please register. Um, it's sponsored by the Charlotte chapter of our alma mater's um, alumni association, along with WTVI. If you're interested in registering, you can call 704-416-3000, or you can go to www.cmlibrary.org and click the purple header uh, at the right-hand top of the corner to register. Also, the Black Business Expo that I went to, mm-hmm. This past weekend, I met a young lady who's with the Lipstick Society. Okay, and that's were, cute. I know, right? It's really cute. And she was really sweet. Um, I can't remember her name, so I apologize for that. But they will host the National Black HIV and Mental Health Awareness Forum called What's the 411? Shout uh-huh. out to Mary J. Blige because there's a song for everything. On February the 17th. Uh, it's a free event, but I'm sure, you know, after they run out of space, it is what it is. It is, but it's going to be at the Fairfield Inn and Suite Marriott at 8540 East Independence Boulevard in Charlotte from noon to 4 p.m. on February the 17th. And you can register for that at cnccl.eventbrite.com. And just to throw in my two cents, listen, all you Twitter conspiracy theorists, Stop posting and telling people that HIV AIDS is not real or that Magic Johnson don't have HIV anymore. Stop it. It is real and people are suffering from it and dying from it and contracting it every single day. Trust me, I'm a nurse. I know people say that. Trust me, I'm a doctor. Trust me, I'm a nurse. It is real. And until you see somebody dying and suffering from it, don't tell me that it's not real. We'll definitely be doing a show on that. Yes, we will. Get tested, stay safe, wear your condoms, and get tested. That's all I got to say. All right, that's it. So I am a girl named Tiffany. And I'm Courtney B. Happy Black History Month one more time. Happy Black History Month. And we out. We out.